You're listening to Radio Primavera Sound, proudly presented by Cupra. Welcome to Radio Primavera Sound. Jenny Haval's new album, Classic Objects, is another highlight in a long and storied career that has taken in everything musically, from experimental folk to spoken word, as well as three novels. RPS spoke to her in the week that her new album is released to talk pop, freedom, utopia, and the genius of Lush. Jenny, thank you so much for, for, for um, taking part uh, today. Um, I've been listening no to worries. your new album, uh, Classic Objects, a lot um, over the weekend. Um, mm-hmm. It's been called your version of a, of a pop album. Um, which I find quite in, intriguing um, for a number of reasons. What, what does pop mean to you? I think it means, uh, well, there are many ways to start answering that question. I mean, the simplest would be, um, for me, something that kind of wants you as a listener to be a little bit euphoric so reach it's it's like in a spiritual way I think for me at least because this is I feel like it's I, I always work with pop structures and and what I mean is melody so it's something that you really can follow um by going with the melody and something that makes you lift off a little bit um, or invites you to because obviously if you don't really like it then it falls flat so it's a risky um, form in that way because most times I hear a pop song I don't get that feeling I may appreciate it still um, but that's my interpretation so like I think that for that reason I um, I wouldn't necessarily say that all like mainstream music is like that. Um, and it doesn't have to be, but my version of me working with pop is something like, well, I need to have a verse and a chorus because I want you to sort of follow and then fall down a hole or like float up to the surface or, um, have like experienced some kind of lift lift off well, there needs to be some kind of superpower involved it's interesting you mentioned that because jupiter starts off um i, I would say relatively light and feel and then ends mm-hmm. or with this kind of ferocious drone um which lightens off a bit towards the end but basically you know it's a pretty um ferocious sound what was the idea with that? Was it that idea of, you know, getting people in to, to, to follow what you're doing and then taking them to this other place, like you say? Well, I think it was just, uh, well, it came sort of naturally because I wrote that song so long ago. Um, I wrote the melody and sort of structure and part of the arrangement uh, six years ago, but I didn't have lyrics. And so over the years, I've tried to include it on several other albums and I've tried to finish it, but 
um, I've I've ended up with a ton of loose ends and loose uh, loose versions or like the versions that I didn't think. No, this is not the one. So when um, when I return to it this time, because I now feel like I have a whole solar system of just Jupiters like around me. Um, I did want to combine some of the different um, versions of the song that I'd tried to make over the years. And so I had um, a version that sounds like the first four minutes, and then I had a sort of more drone-like version. And originally I thought, well, let's do like almost all of that pop song version and then just kind of fade it out and go into the drone version. That didn't really happen in the end because we just decided to let it sort of drift off into a more sort of complete drone scape. So I would sometimes think that, you know, it has a song part and it has an extension, uh, which is kind of its own thing. Um, and that that's quite joyful for me to sort of experience like how an extension of form like that can make um, make you sort of stay suspended as if like you're, you know, you're in a chorus of a pop song, but then the world stops. So, and I, then you float off and it's just that one drone is that one, like that suspension. And then it feels, it feels to me kind of at the end, you're, you're bringing us back in at the end of the song. Well, I'm not doing anything at that point, <laughs> but that sounds good though, what you're saying. Okay. Um, I think it's, it does, it does um, come, come back to a sort of speaking voice and less of like a, like a full, full spectrum um, wall of sound drone. Um, so the tone goes out and you're left with these like um, residues of effects of the drone and Vivian Wang speaking in Mandarin, I think. That's the voice thing happening. And I, I, I'm not exactly sure. She's told me what she's saying, but at the very end, I'm not quite sure. So maybe I should have had a trans translation okay. sent to me. The two last songs um, on the album, Freedom uh, and The Revolution Will Not Be Owned, uh, obviously without here you know without knowing the the full lyrics it's it's hard to say but it feels to me like they're linked conceptually um and you're talking about i, I don't know you're, you're digging into something like about the fundamentals of modern life kind of i don't know questioning what our <laughs> values are is that is that is that right well i think that i see i see them as quite um different although what you're saying makes complete sense also um, those are the least sort of worked lyrics on the record. And I wanted to put them at the end to sort of have a first, like to have freedom as sort of a break, like a, a moment that now we can come together and sing like a song together because it's so like folk song like, um, and almost like cheerful or at least melodic in that way. Um, those lyrics kind of just followed the the melody and I decided not to do very much with it although to me they are embarrassing although now with what's happened in recent weeks it's been a little bit strange to look at something I, I think of as very oversimplified 
because the lyrics are very simple. They're like, I want to live in a democracy. That sounds terrible to me. Like there, there's a whole like paragraph of what ifs and oh, I don't know. And what is it really? And um, I don't know what freedom is and that kind of thing that comes in between each line sort of, but I just chose to focus for once on just the melody, not do anything, no doubt sort of thing. Um, just to not insert myself in it really just wrote something very simple. It does refer to a very complicated Norwegian incident a few years back. It's actually too complicated to go into. And also the song is only like, I, I just know it. It's not something that I actually talk about in the song. So I guess it, it, um, it refers to in general, more like the absurdity of, of the world we're living in. And it's also absurd that, you know, a simple line um, can't really mean anything. It's so manipulative. I mean, yeah, let's not go into what's happening in the Ukraine, but, but it's, it's just, um, it's just like these words, democracy, freedom, they can be used and, and they're like, they're completely malleable. They're completely, um, up for manipulation. You can use them in any setting, any politician of any, you know, alt-right, whatever can just use them and, they can be used to explain everything. And you also talk about the idea of utopia, which I think is a, a, a similar idea. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if this is a fair question, but I want to ask, I mean, what would be a utopia for you? Do you have an idea of what, of what that is in any way? Well, I think that what, what kind of, like a kind of utopia that I'm referring to in that song would be um, maybe like a dream state world, a world that actually manages for some reason that I, I don't know, the, you know, how, how to bring about, um, that something can be, oh, hang on. I started to, too, way too complicated <laughs> with that one. Um, the utopia I'm referring to is maybe, um, something that isn't owned. So, um, if Arch was not owned at all and we were able to just speak to the world, not signing any contracts, not um, fulfilling any, I don't know, like obligations towards Spotify or, you know, like all these big corporations, um, maybe then uh, music could be a weapon or it could be something more truthful. So maybe it's that kind of idea of utopia that, I'm, I'm referring to this, I guess, throughout the album in some way and, and also um, in a very different way and much more personal way in the first track, The Year of Love, which I'm referring to contracts. Um, so, yeah, I guess that the utopia is then someone who's free of contracts. Um, and for that reason, it is a utopia, you know, someone with no passport, but not in the sense of being thrown out of society, but some, some, some society that doesn't need ID and borders and that kind of thing. So obviously that doesn't exist. So it's utopia. <laughs> so, but it, it can also like, it can also be accessed in dreams, in fragments at least. You mentioned um, Year of Love, uh, and you sing on that uh, about the industrial happiness complex. Um, I was wondering what you meant by that, by that idea. 
Well, I think the the protagonist, if that in like the voice in that song probably refers to the the marriage cult, the wedding cult, romantic comedy type of romantic love and um and um norm core traditional conservative view on what we really want to call happiness and what, you know, like this pressure to have, um, to feel happiness at the right times. I guess when you live an actual life, you're, you're always confronted with the fact that you're not happy when you should be. It, your, your life doesn't follow the script, you know, because the script is not reality. The script is terribly ill-fitted. <laughs> This script doesn't make any sense. Um, and I guess that's how I have always felt about, you know, the moments of love um, that I've been seeing around me and more mainstream, but also not non-mainstream um, narratives. It's like, you know, someone's telling stories, but it's never the never the person who's who's the protagonist. So yeah, I, I guess that's the industrial happiness complex. And I think that it's also like said jokingly, because obviously I don't think that everyone should be miserable when they go through rituals that obviously make a lot of people really, really happy. Um, so it's, it's also meant as a very sarcastic comment and also a comment about like, oh, this is how I would say it, but why? Like, is it to protect myself? Is it to align myself with a certain mindset? Is it to sound cool? You know, like all these implications because, because with lyrics, you know, they, the words always fall back on you as well. And, and, um, the protagonist of my songs, except for the last two songs on this record, usually knows that, <laughs> that it's all going to come back to me and, and, uh, I'm, I'm, I have to take the blame. So I pretend that for, for a moment on a few tracks on this album, I don't understand that. And I'm more naive as a storyteller. Um, again, when you were talking about the new album um, and, and you were talking about uh, the, how it was recorded and how it came to be, you, you talked about um, 2020 and, and the pandemic. Um, and you, you said um, no artists were allowed to perform. I was reduced to just me. I, I was wondering, did you enjoy that? Did you like being just me? That's a good question. I'm not sure if I um, have come to a conclusion yet. Um, I guess in the beginning, I thought just me was a private person, a person who was like almost, almost like when you go back to your parents for one reason or another, for a, for a bit longer than you used to as an adult. And you feel like you step back into that 16 year old type of type of communication where they you're their child and nobody can sort of get out of that nobody wants to be there <laughs> but nobody can get out it's it's a little bit like that feeling I think um I saw it at like at first like I was I, I felt like oh I have to confront all the things that I never confronted in my life like I have to start going to the dentist and I have to like properly learn how to be confident when I drive a car, like these, like, like I now had the opportunity to sort of, I guess, like sort out a bunch of areas in my life where I felt like I was just running away. Um, 
Um, and then after a while, I sort of left that concept a bit behind, which I should have addressed maybe in that in my notes that I wrote to send all the journalists because, because I can never stop. Um, so I think that after a while I was like, well, the private, like the just me kind of person, it's, it's not necessarily something that I am reduced to by my own mind. It's something I'm reduced to by society telling me that I'm not, that I'm pretty worthless. I am, because I'm not a frontline worker, I'm being told that I'm not allowed to work. So it's like um, there's something very structural going on and, and it mimics what you're told when it, there's no pandemic, um, which is that art, art is free and has little value um, and is not a necessary um, part of like public life. Um, so I think that I became more political about it, um, as the pandemic rolled on. Uh, and at this point I'm, I'm changing my priorities a little bit also because Norway has pretty much opened up and nobody's thinking about the pandemic now anyway, yeah. there's a war on. So now I, I feel like I've been allowed to take the just me on stage again, because I always feel like I'm just me on stage as well, but just me on stage is a different thing. It allows me to be out of my body a little bit. It allows me to be someone who's singing. And I find singing like a, a very sort of transcendental communication. Like it's, you, you do sort of let something out of your body. It's attached to you, but it's also not. So it's like, yeah, I have a quite a vis visceral relationship with with voice and with performing music, and also a very communal one where you sort of you know you play with others and the audience. Um, hopefully, you're creating a situation where everyone's like thinking and receiving things, and it's not it's it it's not necessarily a very passive experience to be part of. Um, so yeah, I, I guess the just me is also the one that's silent and not speaking. Interested. You mentioned the, um, the the notes you kind of sent about about the album to journalists because um, I, I know you're asked about this quite frequently, so I do apologise. But you you obviously wrote a master's thesis about about Kate Bush's music, um, and in my experience, and I could well be wrong, there are not many um, people who make music who also write about it very eloquently. Um, oh, I'm not sure if I was that <laughs> eloquent in my thesis. It's in Norwegian, so I can't really check. <laughs> well, I, was, I mean, it must have been like a, a very deep level of analysis to 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 write about it. Um, um, well, I mean, I, I sort of, I feel like I left behind and abandoned my um, very serious project that I had of becoming an academic. But then after that thesis, I was just, um, first of all, I was too busy to keep researching and keep preparing, you know, a project if I were to go on and do a PhD and that kind of thing. Uh, but I also felt like I, I, I didn't get to go deep enough. On the one hand, academia, like there's something really joyful about finding um, something quite tangible to, and, and it's not just about being eloquent. It's also about being like, 
being able to communicate something that it, it doesn't have to be like a scientific fact, but it's something that feels like you can understand it. Um, so that it's not just saying, well, her music is really great. And here are many, many floral um, descriptions of how it's great. Because I do feel like I, I never got to the, I never found like a complete language for like making analysis of like the sung word or the, the, um, the performed text. I, I never got like as far as I think that I could have with my thesis. A thesis goes really fast. Like you basically write it in a year. And even if you spend longer, like I had to, because I was touring a lot, um, I didn't have time to think enough. So yeah, I'm sort of annoyed that I didn't, I couldn't get deeper into the analysis part, but also I felt like, you know, academia is limiting in that sense that you're not really like, you feel like if you write something and it's more like, um, a description of a feeling than the fact, which is sort of the opposite of what I was just like sort of longing for in academia. Um, it's not really, it doesn't feel like it's in the right place. So yeah, I did feel very torn when I was writing. Um, it was fun, but I, I'm not sure if I was very eloquent in the end. I think that a lot of people have, you know, like as soon as you get to know a lot of people in visual arts or more academic, like sound art field, they're so much more eloquent than me. So it's just like, maybe there's not so many people in the pop field I'm on the outskirts of that. So maybe not so many people have written theses in that world, but they're also usually much younger than me. So who, who writes a thesis at 23, you know, or 19? Um, Hopefully no one. <laughs> that's a bit young. Um, yeah. Obviously you, you've uh, published uh, several books as, as well, um, which um, I, I'm always get, get very envious of people who can do both uh, music and, and writing. Um, uh, but if you, what do you think, where, where does more of you come across in your books or in, in your music? Like if you wanted someone to understand you, maybe, I don't know, would, what would you, would you give them one of your books or would you give them one of your, your albums? Well, for a while, I think that I would have given them my book, the Girls Against God book, because it just contains more. But then again, I think that there are things you can say with sound that you know, obviously like this is going to sound really banal, but you know, you don't have sound in a book. So um, it's easier to, to give someone a book and then they get a more, from my books, they will get a more complete understanding of where I'm trying to, what I'm trying to describe. But that will also be in a limited context of the written word and a certain type of um, genre or like a certain type of text that then unfolds. So it's, um, I'm, I'm not really, I, I think if someone wants to get to know me, I don't think I would have given them anything. I would have just said, probably you should just come with me and walk my dog with me because <laughs> you might learn more. And then maybe later you can listen to something. The the last thing I want to ask about because I, I know um, you've got a lot of interviews to do was you you uh, covered 
uh, Lush's Sunbathing, which is um, it's one of my favorite one of my favorite of their songs. I think one of my favorite. Oh songs. really? Oh yeah, yeah. I absolutely love it. Um, I, are they a band you really you really like? I mean, and and why that song? Um, they're a band I listen to maybe more than most other bands in my teens, and I felt like no one else listened to them. I mean, I was in Norway, so different context from being, I guess if, if people, like if someone's, someone was in the UK, they would have probably been more uh, well known. Um, so I came across them, like I, I came across, I think the first song I ever heard is still one of my favorites and it's actually a cover that they did for, a, on, on an EP, um, what's it called? Love at First Sight. Right. Um, and that was one of those moments that I had as a 15 year old thinking like my life will never be the same. So I had to run out and then wait for a very long time and then go to Oslo because I lived far away and go to a cool record store and buy all everything I came across. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I have like 70 or 80 favorite songs of theirs, I think, wow. because I've just listened to them so much, pretty much all of them, except for a few that I've never, you know, it's, there are always a few that you don't connect with as much. But um, so I had a really hard time. I knew that I wanted to cover a Lush song um, and sunbathing. I think I chose, I mean, I really, really love it. I think it's like, it's like, um, it's, to me, it's like a classic novel it gives me that feeling of something like timeless stream of consciousness like moment coming of age story just has everything so it's it's a little book for me um and it's also like extremely visual to me it's like the sounds like the flickers of of the sun so um i think that i chose it because it's so short and i didn't have much time I was very curious about doing one of the long tracks on um, the Split album. Am I remembering correctly now? Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, I didn't have time. They were too like long form. So I chose like the one song of my favorites that seemed relatively simple. And I don't feel like I did a cover. I just feel like I just played it. <laughs> Well, what's the I difference? wanted to be very unpretentious about it. Just like express my love slightly. I think that comes across. Hmm. Well, look, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to speak to me today. Um, and congratulations again on the album. You're listening to Radio Primavera Sound, proudly presented by Cupra. Cupra.